And away we go. It is the BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. As always, brought to you by our good friends at the Holy Grail at the banks. The red season is upon us, and uh, the dogs are excited. And you should be too because you can just go to the Holy Grail. You don't have to go to the Reds game. You don't have to give them your money. Go to the Holy Grail instead. You'll be right next door. You can hear the fireworks and all the fun stuff that happens. And you don't have to give the Reds ownership your money. Sounds like a perfect plan, doesn't it, Dave? Yes, I I would yeah recommend that aspect <laughs> of it 100%. All right, let's get rolling here. We've got a, a big guest to get us started. It's been a uh, an exciting week for the Cincinnati Bearcats. There has been a lot of news that has happened uh, throughout the past four days. One of the biggest, though, was the commitment of four-star. How's that sound? How's that sound, Braden? Four-star? Good. Sound good, yeah. Four-star athlete Braden Moore from Hamilton Baden uh, coming to Cincinnati as a safety. And uh, Braden, what was uh, what was yesterday like? Take us through the uh, the emotions of making your commitment and uh, announcing you were going to be headed to Cincinnati. Uh, I felt really good. It was, it was like an emotional buildup. Uh, I was supposed to post at 1 o'clock, and I did. And uh, until then, a few minutes before then, I was just recapping my life and just how I've dreamed of this since I was little and just – I could finally just uh, – it's really, it was really relieving just knowing that I'm going to play at the collegiate level and possibly the, even next level, and it was just – it just felt really good. Dave, you got something? I'm going to get yes. this, uh, social what, up real quick. What was it about UC that, and, and the timing that made you feel like uh, now was, it, was the time you wanted to go ahead and, and announce your commitment? You know, I, they just, uh, I mean, it's home. And they show me the most love, all the coaches. I just, I really enjoy Coach Maximus, Lambert, uh, Coach Hitch, Fickle, um, all them guys. Uh, Coach Tress, I really love all them guys. Um, the practices, I, I love the practices, uh, the grittiness of the players. The Cincinnati players are different, I think, compared to all the other players. It's just, they got a lot of grit to them. There's just something different about their game. You know, they, it just pulled me in. I'm just, I just want to play my the, the kids in my city, and uh, play for like actually have a meaning behind this when I play uh, for the Bearcats. Was there a moment that it hit you that it that you just knew, or was it a a buildup? Because you were on campus a lot, like you had been around the program a lot this this winter into this spring. Was there that one moment where you're it just hit you that this is for me, or was it like a buildup of things? It was a buildup, but my last visit actually hit me. I just uh, I had I had a really good experience with all the coaches, and uh, I, I actually was up in the press box eating uh, lunch with them afterwards after practice. And it was just it was just it felt like home from then on. It just felt like home, and just there it hit me. I just I wanted to commit that day, but I just waited a little bit. Got it. Do, do you, you know? Obviously, you see in the coaches and everything, you know, we make a big deal out of the hometown hero thing and, and playing for your city. Is that something that you always had thought about? Is that something that as you know, you got further into the process became more of a factor? Like take kind of take us through like when that element became more important to you. Um, growing up and like coming up, I really did not think about playing for my hometown. But as the process went on, I just I've always been told play for the name on your back, which is my last name. And playing for UC, I can play for the name in front of my on my chest and on my back. So it just it feels really good to be able to say that and just do that. 
when when you go through the process, you know, you go on unofficial visits, you talk to coaches, you they come to your school. What like to you personally, what are the most important things you you wanted to hear from coaches that made you feel comfortable with your decision? Where they could see me fit and like to me, UC presented the best like position for me marketable wise in the NFL and just going on in college, like playing playing from the boundary safety position and you know, uh all the coaches they weren't really like I mean, most of them were about strictly business, but you know, like they wanted to like make a relationship with me throughout the uh the meeting at school, you know. Coach Hitler was one of those those coaches who like I could just like tell like he he wanted me he really wanted me and like it, it feels really good to feel wanted and that's what i was just looking for like a, a super cool comfortable coach and just make me feel wanted you talked you mentioned nfl uh you're coming in to play safety james wiggins Derek forrest and a week from now brian cook like how much did that resonate with you that man like right now these guys are these guys are pumping safeties into the NFL. They are their whole uh, secondary, all the DBs, safeties. They're all going to the NFL, and it's just they 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 really like uh, progress those DBs to to be at the NFL level. And I just I want to be one of those guys. How, did you are, are you a Sauce guy? Like did did you did really you get caught up in watching I Sauce play? play? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Describe just describe your game a little bit for our fans that haven't gotten to see you play. Where where are you where you excel at on the field, and, and what are some things that you're trying to work on going into your senior season? Um, so for Bayton, I play both sides of the ball. Um, I, I have a I have a late game impact. We're we're more of a run based team, but when we get in trouble, we throw the ball a lot. So later in the games, I make a lot of big catches uh, to ice the game really. And uh, I'm a really good blocker. It's, it's, it's a weird trait, but I, I, I love lead blocking and setting the edge. Uh, and on the defensive side, you know, I'm, I'm really good. I'm getting off blocks and I'm a ball hawk. So I, uh, I think I had seven interceptions last year, two pick sixes. And uh, I don't know, I stood down one half of the field uh, most of the games I played. And uh, it, it just really helped us uh, throughout the playoffs and regular season. And uh, I think I had uh, 61 receptions, 500, 600 yards on the offensive side. So I, I think I'm just like a playmaker overall. And uh, yeah, that's it. I had one punt return. They, they say guys play DB because they don't have good hands, right? But but that's not you. No, that's not me. I got hands too. <laughs> yep. yep. Do you do you see yourself as? I mean, just in talking to you right now. Seem like you have a really, you know, outgoing personality. Like to engage. Are you going to be one of the guys in this group that, you know, is is leading the the texts and the and the DMs with everybody trying to trying to get more guys in the group? How, how do you see yourself impacting the the rest of your class? Uh, that's my plan. That's my plan. I haven't really started that yet because I just committed yesterday. But that that's my plan. Get as many hometown heroes and as much talent I can to come to UC so we can get another national championship. Potentially. Well, yesterday was a, a five-one-three blitz day. Was it important for you to to, to commit on that day to kind of stamp like you know this is this is what it's all about? 
It was. It was a big day because I knew I knew all the Cincinnati fans would be on Twitter, and I knew I knew it was a big deal for UC. So I just felt like it was a good day for me to commit and maybe draw some other kids from hometown to come to UC. I'm interested. Uh, now that we've got a, a recruit here, I'm interested. The UC fan base has become one that's known to uh, show up in the in the mentions with the the Bearcat, all the Bearcat uh, gifs and. You know, they show a lot of love. How much of an impact does that play on a kid to 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 see that fan base kind of embrace you? It feels really good. Uh, they there was a there was a UC gift and anything I posted, it'd be either uh, I'm going to pit. I'd have a UC gift in the comments. <laughs> you know, it's just they're they're really cool. You know, I I mean, from their gifts, you could probably tell like I was going there because I had 20 gifts in my top eight and only had about one one pit. One Illinois, you know, it was just the their UC fan base is just really great, and I just can't wait to play in front of them all. When you're when you're looking at, and I, you know, I'm not going to disparage any other schools, but when you're looking at schools, and you said, you know, how the coaches see you playing, and and obviously the NFL factor. I mean, every kid has a dream and should have the dream of playing in the NFL. How much do you just look at the fact of like UC is? pretty much kicking ass right now and I just want to be a part of a really positive winning program and you know put my you know put my name on that as well that was a big factor this last year's UC has really made a huge name for themselves and that's a, that's what a lot of people have asked me like um was that a part of my decision with them uh making a big name for themselves this year it was you know they uh they they really represented the natty this year and uh I just wanted to be a part of it in the future and maybe uh, progress that and make it better in the future years. So, I always wonder from a recruit standpoint how that works because you hear it a lot from teams that aren't as successful. They, they'll tell the recruits, you can be the guy to help get us to this point. But more times than not, it, you're not going to be that solo dude that does that and the team is still going to be you know mediocre. So I was interested to hear like how much on-field success – and being a part of a winning program factors into your decision. Yeah, I got a lot of teams saying that I could be the guy, and uh, UC said I could be the bet, uh, make them better, not 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 help them win games. I mean, help them win games, not like totally change around their record, make the record even better than it was last year. I'm also curious, the Big Twelve did did that have any factor that that Cincinnati's about to. Like by the time you get here, it's likely Cincinnati's going to be in the Big Twelve and see their their status elevate even another notch higher. Uh, the Big Twelve, then I don't think it had anything to do with it. Uh, I just think uh, just being hometown, having that great of organization here, with them making a big name for themselves last year. Even if I was playing the AAC, I would still want to play for the Bearcats. They playing in any conference, you can make it to the national championship. What was it like dealing with Coach Fickle and maybe in comparison to the other head coaches you've dealt with? I've always compared him to, like, the cool uncle that you, like, look forward to hang out with on the 4th of July. Yeah. Like, what, what was your experience with him and and that that kind of feeling, that aura of him that he's just, just a normal guy that happens to be a heck of a football coach? Yeah, so throughout my process, he was maybe one of the the top head coaches that like really contacted me the most. You know, most most head coaches about the process don't really build a relationship with you and talk to you too much. And he was just one of the ones who stood out to me and 
he didn't really act like the, the big tough guy out of the co coaching staff. He actually reached out to me and was uh, willing to build a relationship with me. So if you, when you've been on campus, have you gotten to see like the where you where you the players live and the locker room renovations and, and that type of stuff? What you know, what has that been like? So I've seen the freshman dorms are actually really nice. Their apartments, uh, four bedrooms, four bathrooms. We all got their own bedroom and bathroom. Uh, I have not seen the new locker room, but I have seen like the outside of it. It's like sand is being renovated. I haven't really been inside of it, but I'm sure I'll see that within the next few years. They're uh, they're keeping it under under wraps. We you know no no pictures nothing. So I was I was wondering if they were showing showing you guys you know as you came through on visits and stuff to, to check that out. Yeah, Brayden, we got that. a guy. We can we got a guy. We can get you in there. Oh okay. okay. We got a guy. <laughs> cool. It, it just so happens the uh, the the project manager for the locker room was a former walk on on the basketball team. Okay. And uh, okay. he, he's so, been on this show a, a bunch as well. He's a member of Bearcat Journal. He's an awesome dude. So you really want to get in there, let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll pull some strings for you. Do you, right, Brad, do you, do you play any other you play any other sports besides football? Like what are you doing this time of year? Uh, so right now I'm running track, actually. I used to play baseball. I've been playing baseball since I was four until my freshman year. That COVID season got canceled. So uh, I just started track this year, and I hung up baseball a few years ago. As an athlete, how tough was that COVID year? Like, you can't get on the field. You can't really do anything to, to make yourself better. How frustrating was it? How tough was it? How did you get through it? Uh, definitely a different lifestyle. Uh, around the time we all got quarantined, it was uh, baseball season. And uh, my hometown, uh, my uh, select team, Cincinnati Spikes, they still had the field open to us. And uh, I would go with one of my friends, my teammates, and uh, I would hit with them. Uh, throughout quarantine so I was still able to do that so that that was a little uh you know that felt good to just do that I mean there was no competitive side to it but it felt good to at least practice my craft still did you get to go to any games at Nippert this past season and and what have you uh what do you have you heard if you haven't or what are you looking forward to the most about playing in the net uh, well, I, I actually didn't get to go see a game this year, actually, but I, I, I'll be to at least half the home games, just not all of them this year. And I just can't wait to play in front of the net. You know, I, I heard they pack out the stadium almost every game. And uh, just coming from high school with with little little audience and getting into Nippert Stadium, I just can't wait to uh, feel the adrenaline going through me and just getting that on-field experience when I get there. Well, they have the longest home winning streak in the country at, at 27 games. So hopefully they can continue that this year. And then, and then when you come in, you can, you can keep it going. Yep. For sure. Yep. Yep. All right, man. We appreciate it. We just wanted to, uh, to touch base and, uh, and get some thoughts from you and uh, what your game was about and, and how Cincinnati became the pick for you. Uh, it's awesome to have you on, and uh, I am sure. Are, are you going to camp at all? Or are you going to stop down and and visit a camp, or uh, do you know what your plans are for this summer? Um, I do not for this summer. No, I know I have a rivals camp this Sunday in Indianapolis. I'm going to that one. Okay. Have they talked to you about coming to UC to even if you don't camp to just kind of hang out for a day? Oh yeah, I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will. Okay. Well, I will catch you there. I'm uh, I'm at all the camps, so all right, cool. uh, we will we will catch up. I know. I talked to your guy uh, at the last practice you were at. We didn't get a chance to, to get formally introduced, but Mick has done a, a great job with you. 
uh, covering your recruitment. And uh, Bearcat Nation's glad to have you, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's great. Moore, Hamilton Baden High School. Thanks for uh, joining us, brother. And we will uh, we'll we'll try to get you back on here soon. Okay. All right, sweet. Thank you. Thank you. There you go, Dave. Good, Good start. We're off to we're off to a hot start. I feel like you could pencil Braden in for what 20, 2024. He'll be allowed to talk to you. Probably, yeah. And he, a, that, you know, you can tell, you know, just from that fifteen minutes that he's he'll be he'll be a good interview. He'll you know, be one he, of our go tos down the road. He'll, uh, you know, he won't give you the yeah, no, yeah <laughs> type, type answer. So no, well, Fick will get him. Fick will get him reprogrammed once he gets down. Here. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but I mean, look, Dave, if, if you're a safety. I mean, how could you not? How could you not be jumping at UC right now? That's the thing. I mean, we're going to talk about it later, but I mean, your last three safeties are <laughs> going to be drafted. Um, you know, you're you're going to be obviously you're going to have eight, hopefully nine guys drafted in the next ten days. So, yeah, I mean, if you're all these kids, we've we've talked about it several times. You know, can you get me to the league? Can we play for championships? Yep. How close are you to home? Those are like the three main things. All that other stuff is nice and it gets talked about. But when it, you know, he even, you know, he, he alluded to it, you know, when it boils down to it, those are the, those are the important things. Am I going to win? UC's can doing I- two of them right now and they're about to, you know, Start the third one. I mean, it, it can't. We, you know, we've said it can't be a one and done type thing. You have to continually prove that, regardless of your record, that we still have the talent. That's the thing. Is you know, lots of teams can go thirteen and zero and pump some dudes into the draft, but if you have a slightly down year, can you still put four or five, six guys in? Right, and they're trending in that direction now, and. It's uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to uh, to see where things are headed, Dave. This is what we've talked about with this program ever since we started this podcast, and ever since we started Bearcat Journal, ever since we've been alive, right? Like this was always the vision. Mm-hmm. Put a put a a, a a block or as much of a block as you can around Cincinnati. Get as many top twenty-five kids in the state of Ohio as you can. You can pile up, win games, and next thing you know, the program looks like where the program is at right now. And it's uh, it's it's still pretty wild to be kind of in the eye of the hurricane watching it happen. For sure. What are you reading, buddy? Oh, I'm doing doing a mock draft for our NFL draft discussion. <laughs> Killing me. Doing one for, for the. For the uh, for the uh, oh, it's show research you, for the podcast, so you we can talk have done about it before the show. <laughs> why why would I do it before? We do it live. <laughs> Is that like when we drew names out of a hat? Exactly to pick the order of finish in the American Athletic Conference last year. Very, very similar. Do you think they're going to send us that invite again? Uh, the last, I mean, the last year of UC being in the American, I think they could probably take all the publicity they can get yeah i mean that was one of our our best segments i mean, we should have gone back and seen how well we did well i mean I, out of that we, 
what we had Houston. I had Houston too. Yeah. So we got two top ones. Yeah. But I just mean what was it? Three through three through eight we drew out of a hat. Yeah. And then I think so. Or three through nine, I think. And then right. 10, 11, 12, we were like, they stink yeah, so bad. Cares? They're not gonna there's not even them. 12 teams, but yeah. A lot. So it must have been it was eight. <laughs> three through eight, we drew out of a hat. Something like that. And just had South Florida yeah. and Temple at the end or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna be last. We don't have to worry about that. Um, let's get into the other football news uh of the week, Dave, as Things happened very fast on Monday. Uh, Corey Kiner announced uh, via his Twitter feed that he was entering the transfer portal. I believe he entered the transfer portal around 3 o'clock that afternoon, 2.30, 3 o'clock, and then at 6 o'clock announced that he was going to be returning home to wear the red and black of the Cincinnati Bearcats. And uh, we have talked since the end of the season about – the potential to see a you know if they could find a big splash addition at running back uh, that they would like to do that and if you had to give me a board on who would have been number one on that board it would have been Corey Kiner and now Corey Kiner is coming home to be a Bearcat. Yeah, I mean, I think you know it's a pretty you know outstanding, awesome addition. Um, I understand we have a very crowded and what I think is a talented running back room. Oh, for sure. For sure. But I just think you're at a point as a program where maybe outside of quarterback, if there's a, a talent that you think enhances the team, you know, above and beyond what you may already have, I think you add that player. Um, there's a hundred and whatever, you know, 105 players on the team. At no point, regardless of adding transfers or not, is everybody going to be happy with their role? So you can't look at, you know, additions based on who it might piss off because. Somebody's got to be the fourth running back. Somebody's got to be the fifth running back. Like, right. you know, so, um, but it, but this, this coaching staff and these players have shown that if they earn snaps, they're going to get snaps. So do I think it's going to go to the extreme that we saw like a Mike Warren type offense? No. Um, because like one, I think that's just not the offense anymore. And two, the other players are of the ability to demand carries themselves. But I think when you have the quarterback situation that they have, which is un unanswered and likely will be until Arkansas first snap at Arkansas. And you have five offensive linemen returning, three of which were first team all league. Like you're going to pound the rock, regardless of having two likely NFL tight ends and a receiving room that that we all think is is pretty strong. Um. So there's going to be carries for guys still, even with adding Corey. I mean, I could yeah. see him in that. 
Real, real quick, real quick. We, we forgot to do the Urban Artifact timestamp. Oh, Are you curious to explore where, what lies is, beyond standard where is craft Aaron beer? To, to keep us in line? He's sick with 102 fever. I didn't want to catch anything. I mean, I had surgery last week. I'm still here. You weren't here last week? Well, I, that was physically impossible. <laughs> Are you curious to explore what lies beyond standard craft beer? Take a trip to Urban Artifact. They don't make beer. They make fruit tarts. Come see what the world of real fruit tart a real real fruit has to offer. Swing by Urban Artifacts Northside Tapper and mention Bearcat Journal. Get two dollars off a flight of four tasters. There you go. Boom. Excellent. Yeah. Great, great read. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. We still need to get down there. They've got beer waiting for us that we haven't gone to claim yet. Okay. Well. Just let let me know when. Okay. Uh back to Corey Kiner. For me. I think this changes the dynamics of of who Cincinnati is in 2022 drastically. Oh, they're gonna like <laughs> they're they're gonna. Uh, that's why I sent out that tweet with the gift. Like they're gonna bulldoze some some mother, yeah, mothers, truckers. <laughs> mother truckers. Yeah, like you you're telling me that they're not just gonna line up and go. Yeah, good luck. I mean, Corey had. And I tried to find some just some st- I took this from a tweet, and I think it's accurate, but you never know. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, thirty nine point five percent broken tackle rate, which to me sounds really good. I tried to find what that means, like in the green scheme of things. The tweet talked about him being right between Brian Robinson of Alabama and Chris Rodriguez of Kentucky. Uh, in the top 10. Now, I don't know if that meant top 10 in the SEC or top 10 in the nation. But still, I'm just going to go a 40% broken tackle rate. Like, with this offensive line and the way that they've run, run the ball the last few years, and you put a running back back there that breaks, you know, attack, breaks tackles at that rate, and possibly with, you know, say it's Evan as quarterback with his running ability and the dimension that that brings, I mean, good good luck. I mean, you're that means you're pulling, you know, you're you're, you're going to have to pull seven, eight guys down in the box. Then you've got the guys on the outside plus the tight ends, makes the throwing windows all the bigger for whoever the quarterback is. Um, so, you know, I just like it just changes when you have that kind of guy from a physicality standpoint. Which they just didn't, you know. I would say Ryan Montgomery was the closest to, but still not quite um, the type of of runner that Corey right. is. Um, it just changes how you how you play offense. I think we'll see. Um, but I mean, I, I think it's a huge positive. Kelsey asked if we really thought that the QB won't be solved until Arkansas. Because I feel differently, but I'm not there every day. So uh, the QB position will be solved before Arkansas, but none of you guys, and probably even us, will know about it. And if we know about it and say what we know, we'll be offed. We will die. (laughs) Luke's not not tipping his hand. There's no way not he's tipping his hand on who's going to be the quarterback at Arkansas. There's no chance. I just I don't I I don't see what the point is. Right, that too. Like like how did like 
say we're 10 days into higher ground and it's clearly obvious who the quarterback is to us. What is the benefit to UC going into the first game of the year for Luke to go, yep, quarterback X has has clearly been the better quarterback and he will be our starter in two weeks. Right. I mean, we would love, I mean, from our, from a fan perspective, of course we want to know, but like, there's zero benefit to right. saying that. It's the same thing with with injuries. I mean, like that's why we don't talk about injuries. If there's no, this isn't the NFL. There's no injury report. So if a guy has been gimpy all week, there's no point in saying, yeah, we're not sure if he's going to play or not. You just make the other team try to figure it out. And they've got, they're going to have Eastern Michigan tape. And, you know, I guess they could go back and watch some some UC tape on Ben um, to try to get some semblance of what he does. And they'll have, you know, basically no tape worth watching of Evan. I mean, I was actually looking at his numbers for the, for the Athlon preview that I write. Uh, and he, I didn't know, I didn't realize this. He threw and ran for the exact same amount of yards last year. Yeah. So 105. So like, what are yeah. you really, what are you really gleaning from that? Uh, if you're Arkansas, if Luke comes out and says Evan Prater's the starter on August 20th, it doesn't gain you anything. It doesn't gain them really much. So it, you know, but it at least it then tells them how to set up a game plan for a running quarterback. Right. Um, I'm not trying to make you look like an asshole. <laughs> um, but. You just, you know, you're just, they're just not going to, they're not going to say anything. And even, even if we can tell in fall camp who we think is going to win the job, we know just because we do the same stuff, like we're not going to put it on the board because you know how much information I've gotten from other team sites, especially with like who's injured. Yeah. That I've, told you and that I've I assume you've told the coaching staff like there's there's a reason we don't say that stuff like I listen when I'm doing previews for you know when we're in season and I'm doing previews I'm listening to other teams podcasts because I think they're loose with information like injuries and and stuff like that that I think you shouldn't be loose with like you know, and we go to other boards and believe me, other teams come to our board. <laughs> so, yep. you know, it's just, it's, it's an information game. And if it doesn't help you see, there's just not going to be a reason for it to be public, whether it's an injury or a starter, or, you know, in this case, in this season, how the quarterback, you know, competition is unfolding. Back to Corey. Breaking 39% of your tackles in the SEC is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you have to look at it, too. His numbers aren't eye-popping. Like, 4.1 yards of carry isn't eye-popping. It's still pretty good. I mean, he had, like, 75 rushes, um, 300-something yards. Their passing game was next-level dog shit. Last year. Next level. What is next level dog shit? Like, like, a, like a like a Great Pyrenees? 
I don't. I mean, I don't have Saint dogs, Bernard. So I don't know. Saint Bernard, was, maybe it was bad. Um, and their whole their whole operation was just a mess last year. Obviously, I mean, they got coach. You know, Ed Orgeron got fired, and you know, Derek Stingley basically sat out a year, and it was just not a good deal. Uh, they had receivers sit out, like just not a good setup for a running back in the SEC when you're already going up against really good defenses. And you have no passing game to support, you know, what you're trying to do. Um, you know, I think the thing to take into account in the positive is that he was getting first team reps in the spring before I guess he's he had some level of a sprained ankle. That was right like the day before, like that happened yeah. on Thursday and he, he put his paperwork in on Friday. So. Cause he didn't, he didn't, he wasn't around for their spring game on Saturday. Actually their spring game is this Saturday. They had it a is, scrimmage but, last that, Saturday. Oh, so, okay. So they had a scrimmage. That's yeah. it was strange that they had like a media availability for a scrimmage and then have a spring game. Um, But like it, it, it does. This doesn't seem like it's a case of necessarily. You know, I could be reading it wrong, but it doesn't seem like a case of unhappiness with his role. Like I think I don't well, know that, if he would have a little of that, a little bit. But I don't think he would have. Like he would have gotten. I'm gonna say, 150, 200 carries this year. I think it was more in the messaging. Um... So, right, but like the on-field so the, aspect of it. Let me let me tell the story. He he was exploring entering the portal during the coaching change, and then BK came in and basically told him, like, loved him up. You're going to be our guy. We're gonna you know we're we're gonna put the ball in your hands. You're gonna be our number one. Um, and that kept him in the fold. And then spring got there and they had a back that was out last year. Um, and the back that was out last year, um, it was back and uh, had been getting the majority of the 1A reps. Like Corey was still getting reps with the ones, but he wasn't the first guy in with the ones. And I think that was against the messaging that was presented to him to keep him from going into the portal in January. Right. So yeah, it, it was more a case of you told me one thing to keep me. And then you showed me something different when the chips were down. And I I'm think that's where it came from more than anything. I, I probably imagine bringing Noah Kane from Penn state in Probably also, maybe, uh, but he wasn't maybe. there yet, so that wasn't. No, he's really still a, not there. But I mean, right. just the, just the sense of like, you told me this, now you're not doing that, and you brought another guy in, which I mean, UC is now in the same type of a situation. So, right. Um, but yeah, it's you know, I it's hard for me to look at anything LSU did offensively last year and project. To what that means for him. Yeah, but in, but in as you mentioned, offense. teams were looking to stop their run game, and Corey Kiner was still 
successful right. when given the opportunity. Uh, that's what I'm looking at more than anything. No, I just mean sometimes people will be like, well, how good is he? He had 75 carries and only averaged 4.1 yards a carry. Like, that's not anything great in college. Like, Jerome Ford averaged six-something a carry. Right. But I think, you know, the context is important, and I don't expect everybody to, to know, uh, you know, everything about LSU football and, and things like that. So I'm just right. trying to, like, layer that in a little bit. Sorry, Jason. The the Aaron is off tonight. He's sick. Uh, so I'm having to do double duty. And, uh, you know, I'm not perfect. It's, Aaron, it's Aaron's fault. Close, but not. I'm close, but, but not perfect. I'm close <laughs> on news. I'm not close on uh, video production in the middle of a podcast while I'm hosting. A little different. A little different. Um. I don't know. That's, uh, do you have anything else on Kiner? I mean, I, I think it's massive. I think, you know, it's a, it's another uh, data point for you don't have to leave. Like, no, you don't have I don't, to. I don't, you know. If I, you want to, it's fine. I agree. I don't, don't have to. I don't begrudge. I don't, you I don't know, either. I know, I'm not begrudging them for leaving. I know there's I'm saying this, I know there's you don't this. have to faction and it might be small and this but it's like you know you hear like well you know if they left i don't want them back like you know people people i'm not even gonna say people make mistakes people make decisions and then they make new decisions like you know <laughs> you're allowed to change your mind well and like, at the time <laughs> it would it would have been very difficult to turn down where lsu was i just at, won right? the freaking national championship with one of the most dominant teams <laughs> in the history of the sport Right. Yeah. The allure of going to LSU was pretty high in March of 2020. Yeah. I mean, you know, guys leave, they come back. There's, you know, guys, you know, people got to do what they feel is best. And I know we all, you know, bleed red and black, but, you know. But go read what Corey had to say to Mick. He wanted to be back home. Like he realized home is where he wanted to be. It is, you know. My point being, you don't have to, like, you can step. Oh, 100%. And guys are seeing that. It was also, you know, as, as it was a different time in, in the LSU history, it was also a different time in the UC history. Like, I think now is much different in that respect of yeah. players looking at, like, you don't have to leave because you just broke through in what was said to be an impossible, you know, ceiling that, um, you know, the, you know, just like we asked Braden about, you know, coaches saying you can be the guy. Well, like, I'm sure UC was saying, like, we can make it to the college playoff. And everybody else recruiting it, kids are like, they got no shot in hell of ever making it to the college playoff. Right. And then when you do, then that that's just another layer of proving to whether it's locals or any, any recruit. Like, yes, all of these things. That all these other big schools say that they can do for you, we can do the same stuff. And if you like being at home, and you know, some people do, some people don't. So, everybody likes having somebody to do their laundry. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. It would, wouldn't it? You just go drop it off. Remember those days? No. Drop off the laundry. <laughs> Thinking, Your mom wouldn't have it that was thinking, she? thinking back to my college days, that's one of the things that I 
think back on and go, how did I even like get laundry done? Like <laughs> we didn't like where I lived and stuff like that wasn't really a thing. So I, I don't even remember how that happened. <laughs> so you didn't do laundry is what you're saying. Yeah, there's a possibility. You came home once a month. Mom did all the laundry and you, you lived off of that laundry for a month. I, I might've dry cleaned a lot of stuff. You're dropping it off to me. I'm going to be out of town for the weekend, Chelsea. I'm headed to Indianapolis tomorrow. So you're dropping your laundry off to me. It's going, it's going to be a while, sweetheart. Sorry. Love you, but I'm not going to be here to do it. And you wouldn't want to make Kelly do your laundry, would you? That's just, that's rude. <laughs> she can barely walk up and down a flight of steps right now. Um, getting her to do your laundry, I don't know. I've got the 11 year old doing mine right now. I'm taking risking life and limb. <laughs> You're going to have a, a medium t-shirt. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, let's go basketball transfer. Rob Finnessy, now a Bearcat, actually two basketball transfers since you've been here. Uh, Kalu Azekpe added from old dominion last week, this week, Rob Finnessy from Indiana point guard, six foot one. Um, a lot of glowing reviews on Rob from the Indiana side, which is rare in the transfer portal era, right? Like usually guy leaves it's screw this guy. We didn't want anything to do with him. He can go to hell. He stinks. He's why yeah, we weren't he, good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Indiana fans did not feel that way about Rob Finnessy. I think that says a lot about Rob Finnessy. I think his addition says a lot about, uh, what Wes felt that they were lacking last year, the areas that he felt that that needed improvement. We are all aware that the offense needs to be better going forward, uh, but we're also aware that they were a pretty damn good team until the defense fell apart. And once the defense fell apart, they struggled to win games, any games. So I think it's a good pickup. Um, do I think it's a program-changing pickup? No. Uh, but do I think it it improves their odds of winning games in 2022 and 2023 uh, for the one year that Rob Finnessy's here? Yes, I do. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't admit to know a ton of crap. That. What? Talk for a second. I forgot <laughs> to do the timestamp again. <laughs> um, but yes, I won't. It you know I won't pretend to know a ton about Rob Finnessy or. Mr. Kalu, as I'm going to call him. Um, but what you hit on is what I have kind of felt is if these two additions can increase uh, the defensive acumen of the team and heighten the uh, toughness factor, I will be totally cool with having them be Bearcats for one year because I think, you know, I don't think we're talking out of school when we say those two areas were not up to what we would consider Bearcat standards last year. And I'm not calling guys currently on the roster soft or anything like that, but there were just, you know, too many moments where, those things seemed to be lacking. And I don't think it was because they weren't, you know. Effort wasn't the issue. No. But 
Urban Artifacts celebrates their seventh anniversary this <laughs> month, Dave. They have events every day from Tuesday, April 19th to Sunday, April 24th. Stop in, celebrate with some world-class fruit tarts. Swing by the Northside Tap Room. Mention Bearcat Journal. Get $2 off a flight of four tasters. I, the thing is... By the way, our transitions in this podcast are really going to go down as, as some of the some worst of the, ever. Some of the best in the history of podcasting. <laughs> You really don't like this is something that before we had the video element, like this was all like a well-oiled machine with the video element. It adds so much different stuff that, you know, it's a lot. Like now I, I got to put the urban artifact logo up there. I got to change the the background from last night when we did the nightcap to tonight to the Holy Grail, blah, 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 blah. It's a lot. It's a lot, Dave. Um, here's the thing. Effort with that team last year was not the problem. The, the effort was fine. But when you talk about toughness, it's more than like fighting for a rebound. It's digging in and get a defensive stop with a minute and 18 seconds left and you're up one. And then you're able to go down and extend the lead to three, right? Like that's what toughness is. Toughness is that innate ability when the game is on the line to make a play. And last year, they didn't have enough of that. They had too many times when the game was on the line that they didn't make the play, that the other team made the play down the stretch to win the game. And if you can add a couple guys that change that, that are able to get you a couple extra loose balls, able to extra, to get you a couple extra stops uh, in the second half of the game, like that stuff, is how you go from, you know, 18, 19 wins to 24 wins. And if you got yeah. 24 wins, you're at least being talked about as a team that's on the bubble for the NCAA tournament. So, but there's tons of situations. I mean, you could be looking at a team's going on a run and you, you need, you know, it might be in the middle of the first quarter or first right. half. But, you know, you look to a guy like Rob, who everything I've read talks about his on-the-ball defense. When you just have a player who on his own has an ability to say, like, okay, I'm going to stop this team, this possession right here. And because we're down seven and we can't go down nine or ten because then we're pretty much cooked. You know, just certain situations like that. And like you said, like, it's not about – you know, people think of toughness and they think of like, you know, I, I, I think of like, you know, old Bearcats, intimidation, stuff like that. It's not, that's not what we're talking about. You know, we're just, we're just talking about, you know, not letting things get out of hand um, or, you know, like you said, making that play, that winning play that we just saw last year too many times wasn't wasn't getting done. Lulu, I, I don't I don't care. We, we do them like this and then we put them in the description for the podcast. Like I if I was uh I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. We're in the middle of something. We're busy. Jesus Christ. Well actually timestamps, Dave. The fuck are we doing here? Well actually that's not how you do timestamps, sir. That's how we do them. We were talking about basketball. Yeah. Tell me where. 
anyhow, just the interesting part is this now kind of clears the deck for 2023, right? And and let me tell you this. <laughs> the portal, those guys don't care about two years from now, bro. Uh-uh. Like, they, you, you try to tell a kid, well, yeah, we're, we're in the American this year, but then next year we're going to be in the Big 12. Coach, I'm only going to be at your school for one year, and I'm going to the NBA. Like, I, I didn't, I didn't, I'm, that's why I'm transferring. I'm transferring, uh, you know, to get this one year done, and then I'm going to the league. Like, they, well, they don't care. And I think we've seen a little, you know, because we obviously talked, it's been a while, but we obviously talked at the beginning of portal season of, you know, we'd really like to find some two or three year guys because then we can usher in the Big 12 era with a, established roster and continuity well that that sure went out the window and i don't think it's because you necessarily couldn't find two or three year guys i think that i just think those dudes are those are the guys that were just not quite you know connected enough to yet is is that a fair way to say it (laughs) no i don't think it is because i think there were plenty of connections I think there was also plenty of, I'm not coming to play in the AAC this year. Right. Like, I I laugh at the people that are constantly like, it's it, overcome it, it's not that big a deal. Guess what? The people that say that are the people that have been bitching about getting out of the AAC for eight years, Dave. Well, if, you, if you're going to say it's not that big a deal, then you shouldn't then you shouldn't have any emotion or feeling or excitement about going to the Big 12. Right. Because it shouldn't matter, right? Right, right. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to the kids. It shouldn't matter to you, the fan. Like, you're complaining about the thing that you bitched about for eight years. We got to get out of this conference. And then we explain it's impacting recruiting. And they're like, oh, you got you to overcome that. Just got to figure it out. Just got to figure it out. Well, then why have you been bitching about we got to get out of this league for the past eight years? Just just because you don't want to play Tulsa? Well, yeah, guess what? Neither does anybody else that they're recruiting. <laughs> right? They don't want to play Tulsa either. They don't want to go to Greensboro. Like you brought, like, I, this isn't like a, a secretive thing, but like in the basketball message board, you brought up Ricky Council from Wichita State. Yeah. Guess where a dude transferring from Wichita State doesn't want to play any games next year? Wichita, Wichita State. State. Like, <laughs> is that's not a hard concept to, to understand. Do I like do I think there's will they take a swing at Ricky Council? Sure. They recruited him out of high school. They've got a great relationship, like dating back to 2018, 2019. Everybody wants to go to Tulane, Chelsea. That's in New Orleans. Yeah, because the players get tons of free time to go experience, you know, <laughs> Bourbon Street and the night before the Sugar Bowl, you do? Oh, oh, hey, I can't say anything. I, I was right there with them. <laughs> Literally. They yeah. were right there at oh, the no, bar yes. next to right right the... Hey, right look, Marty Gilliard. Right there with me. <laughs> hey, it's Craig Carey, everybody. Cheers. <laughs> they don't want to play in this league. Nobody wants to play in this league. Cincinnati doesn't want to play in this league. That's why they're going to the Big 12 next year. But the reality is they have to play in this league next year, and recruiting to the American is really hard. 
really hard. Okay, now we're just totally off the rail. Chelsea, relax. Chelsea, I know you're probably celebrating Stu's official new job today, but I'm going <laughs> to need you to relax in the chat, okay? It's fire in the comments. I'm turning the chat off the way this is going. But no, I, I, I think, you know, you now have what? For sure, DeJulius Newman, uh, Fennessy, and and Ezekpe that will be off the books for next year uh, heading into the Big 12. You have to think the way this all works, there'll be one or two more at least. Um, you have to hit a Big 23 class. That was known, though, even before. So it's not like that's right. all of a sudden a new right. development. And uh, you're going to have to to add probably some transfers in the spring next year. But you're going to be able to sell those transfers on playing in the Big 12. It's a different sell completely. Um, Better League, AAC, or Big East without Jay Wright? Still the Big East. Big East. Even without Jay Wright, they're not a a one or two bid league. Right. They probably should be given that they only average, without Villanova, they average like two point something wins per year in the NCAA tournament since 2013. They get six, seven teams in and they win three games outside of Villanova. Give me a break. Karen, calm down. (laughs) That's going to really set her off. She's going to be big mad the next time I see her. But yeah, you're. I mean, you're still. You know, I think you're still looking right now. But I think it's going to slow down because of the timing. Uh, being with May first, slow down from a UC standpoint. But like the portal is not going to slow down. Well, the portal will slow down May first. Well, but I mean, until the, like I'm saying from now until May first, I don't. I wouldn't imagine UC adds anybody unless something out of the blue happens. Because I think you want to see. Who comes into the portal now? Like you have, you have what one spot left? One spot left. So you want? I mean, kids are still going to the portal, so they have until May first. So I think you just want to see who's who's all in there. When the yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the thing, right? You want to make sure you make them. Now you've only got one spot left, right? Right. So you can be selective. Um, I think from from my perspective. I think you're looking at like a six five, six six wing that can can get you some points. I think that's that's where the focus needs to be. I, I know everybody's been caught up on Sean McNeil at six foot three and more of a guard than a wing. Like I don't know that that fits with. You've got four, you know, three guards already. Yeah, I mean, he can shoot it, but, like, and I'm not going to disparage. We need all the shooting we can get, and we need all the yeah. scoring we can get. But, like, he's not, a, he's not you know, a high-level athlete. Like you said, he's 6'3", not 6'5", 6'6". You know, the shooting element on its own is great, but the rest of the profile is kind of redundant. Right. I think so you like take from, your time. For, from just a one-year standpoint, you know, does he make you better? Yes, I'm sure he may, would make them better. But 
I think there are other opportunities and could be other opportunities that would be more advantageous for them to pursue. Like, ideally, I know why everybody's infatuated with Ricky Council. I think Ricky Council would be exactly the type of guy they're looking for. And I'm sure they'll probably, with the relationship they have, try to take a swing. Just from talking to people around the sport that I know, doesn't sound like the kid is uh, enamored with playing in the American an extra year, even though he's got two left. Stunning. Yeah. I mean, that was my favorite part. I put that on the board and several people were like, yeah, same. <laughs> like, yeah, we, don't, we don't blame you, Ricky. <laughs> we actually know exactly where you're coming from. But I think if you like, if, if that transpires, right, if you get to a point where you come out of this with fantasy and you come out of it with Ezekte, and then you find Mr. Kalu. Mr. Kalu. Sure, Dave. And then you find yourself a three, like a, a real 6'6 six, six shooter, shooter, long, you know, offensive impact at the three. I think that's a huge success. Yeah. I agree. People just get caught up in the the excitement of it like you know they they well i mean they're, shit. they're fans they get emotional it's, it's free agency think about nfl free agency and the sure. and how how much fans not just bengal fans but fans in general like go ape shit the first couple days when their team doesn't sign anybody and then you look at it and it's really just like a handful of signings have actually happened right you know, it's it's the immediacy of it. It's that guys can be signed, guys can transfer. Why are why aren't they transferring? Why haven't they added anybody? What are they waiting for? Why you know what's going on? And when you're three days into NFL free agency and it's a bunch of dudes re-signing with their own team, and like three guys getting overpaid by the Jaguars, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you kind of have to take a step back and go, it's a process. You know, we we know we're all you know we're all in the microwave society, but you know, just kind of let them you know let's see how they build the roster, and then let's evaluate it at, at the uh, at the end. When are we going to be an air fryer society? Because stuff you put in the microwave is disgusting. It is, but it still gets hotter faster. I guess is that the analogy? Like, like yeah, it gets hotter faster, but it, it's not better. Fryer, but that's the thing. It's like the the speed of it is not. It's I know. Not, we're not the quality. That's what I'm saying. We need to be an air fryer society where things still get done faster. They're just done at a higher quality. Yes. Well, and, and the other thing, Dave, and, and I understand this definitely. Last year, the portal moved fast, right? Like it was new. Everybody like was freaking out because it was, we were coming out of the pandemic People still couldn't really visit. So all everybody was doing were these like Zoom calls. Decisions were being made like three, four days after guys went into the portal. And like the number of quality guys in the portal happened fast and then went away fast. And this year we're seeing a much slower process. 
I think a lot of people are are kind of strategically waiting until May 1st, right? Because May 1st hits, rosters are pretty set at that point. Guys can still transfer. They just have to sit a year. Right. And we know nobody wants to do that. So if guys are going to transfer, it's going to be by May 1st. Can you apply for waivers, though? I'm sure you can, but I have to imagine the NCAA is just going to lay a hammer down on that. Right. They're going to say, we gave you an open period to, to make this decision, and you waited after that. Now, there's always extenuating circumstances, but like, sure. but like if a dude just decides, you know, I just, yeah, I'm just, I don't want to be here anymore. Like, yeah, I can't imagine they're going to be too, but they've also given waivers and it, they're, a well, you know, what's going to happen, Dave. Is guys are going to start committing May 2nd. And then they're going to jump into these new rosters, and the guys that are already on these rosters are going to be like, whoa. Right. That guy just took my spot. Yep. Now what do I do? <laughs> well, you, you, you can transfer, but you're going to have to sit, son. Try to get, try to get a waiver. Come up with, right. a, come with, come up with a family member. 75 <laughs> miles from your new school that you need to live by. Right. It's going to be like all of this stuff is just so like the game is changing so fast. And, it, you know, the game itself is, is similar. The process of roster building and, and, and developing and maintaining your team is wild. I mean, Wichita State, I think, has lost eight of their top 10 scores. Yeah. That, that one dude isn't really in my mentions much lately. Haven't heard from him. No. Um, I mean, I, people can say what they want. There's a reason Jay Wright and coach K and Roy Williams were just like, eh, and, and it's, you know, with Roy and K, they were obviously old and at the point where, you know, you retire. Jay Wright was 60. Like he just decided I'm I i do not I don't want to mess with this shit anymore. This, this isn't this isn't how I built especially Jay Wright is the anti for all of this, right? Right. He built from within, he developed. Yeah, have there been a few transfers in that they brought? Sure. But that was everywhere. It wasn't like a way of life where every year now you have to hold two to three spots for the transfer portal on your roster. Well, that's the thing. People are like, you know, are these coaches leaving because they they don't want to be a part of this new age college basketball? And my thing is, is like, maybe, but they're also leaving because they have built themselves the ability to to on their own say, yeah, I don't really want to mess with this, and I'm cool with walking away. Like, right. ninety five percent of coaches don't have that luxury. Sure. Jay Wright's been the coach of Villanova for 21 years. Like, they need to work, and they need to earn money. So you either decide to find a totally new profession, or you adapt. And guess what? Jay Wright's going to be able to go to ESPN and make more money than Villanova was paying him. Uh, Yeah. Well, according to the caller on Mo's show today, who I heard, uh, I believe said... I forget the exact word. It's basically the writing's on the wall. The I writing's on the wall that Jay Wright will be the Kentucky coach in two years. 
So he's going to take the year off, and then Cal's going to get forced out, and Jay Wright's going to go live in Lexington, which I hear has a huge Italian population and tons of, you know, mom-and-pop Italian restaurants for him to eat at. Lots of places to get Armani suits. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Did you see the one shining moment? Of what? Of Jay Wright's suits. Oh, no. It was just one shining moment with all Jay, Jay Wright in all of his different suits. It was outstanding. That should have been the first sign he was going to retire was when he, he even went down to the... Yeah, he's like, zip. I'm not wearing suits anymore. Like, screw this. <laughs> this, is, this is too much for me. Get me out of here. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think they can be selective now. With that third spot, um, so basically whoever committed first in regards to Tennessee McNeil and Davis, not necessarily. I don't think Davis is completely out of the picture. It's a good one. I like that. <coughs> Come on, Jason. <coughs> that's that's good. <laughs> I don't know that Davis is completely out of the mix. Um, I think it would be difficult to add another smaller high volume guard. Um, I feel like that's at that point, that's kind of like poor roster management. Yeah. But you're getting a guy that averages 26 points a game. Okay. I mean, I get that part too, but like, yeah, it, it might not be ideal roster management, but it's still a team that struggled to score. What is the, the guy prolific scorer in the game? What is the guy in the averages that in the Horizon League average in the AAC? I'm just, I mean, I'm not saying he like becomes some terrible player. I'm legitimately curious. I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I, I just, can you turn down a 20, a career 25 point a game score? No, I'm not saying that they should or would turn him down. I'm just saying that makes the roster real small. Yeah. When you've had when that's been an issue already, sure. So I'm, I agree. Know. I agree. And maybe playing in a different, you know, the way that the AAC is set up, that might I might be more inclined if it was a, a different league. But we know how this league plays basketball. It's, it's, it's big, long athletes, and and just the phys, the the nature. Yeah, of the, that's the what play. I mean. That's like. They're not necessarily skilled, but there's big physical long athletes right. in this league. If you play in a more open, up and down type of style league, maybe that works better. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think his name is completely out of the mix. Um, I don't know. I think there's, we'll find out more in the next 10 days. Yeah. I think there, I mean, I say just take a deep breath for till May 1st. Yeah, I, I think the thing is, like, everybody now, you know, has been spoiled to the point that we, we had a week where there's been things happening every day. Now everybody wants – there's more. We, we need more. I hate when they do this, Dave. Like, they don't give us anything that happens for, like, four or five weeks, and then, like, six things happen in four <laughs> days. Hey, in the middle of April – I'm not gonna complain when when we get content because we already know no. we already know there's gonna be moments in May and June that 
are going to be excruciatingly slow. That's like, uh, I still, it was right around when Kelly was, I believe when Kelly was sick or maybe right around the transplant. I can't remember. It's been so long ago. (coughs) But Kyle Washington and Jaron Cumberland committed in like back-to-back days. And I'm like, Nick, you had three spots open this this, this entire offseason. And you filled two of them in two days? What are we doing here? You're killing me. I, I, I couldn't get any burn off of either of them. You got to help the content game, man. Right. We need to have meetings about what the content game looks like in relation to your plans. <laughs> That's right. But you get Kiner on Monday, you get Braden Moore on Wednesday, and then as I'm signing off for the radio show yesterday, I get a a text that fantasy's happening within the hour. And I'm in Kenwood, and I live in Independence. And I was told, like, 6.55, the eyes are coming out. 7 o'clock is the commitment, right? So I'm flying home from Kenwood. Those are the days where traffic, boy, really, really gets under your skin. (laughs) I'm flying home from Kenwood, and just as I'm getting uh, situated to get the article from Brett in the system and, like, ready to go for the commitment and get the, uh, whoa, hey, kitty cat. Drive by. And get the the Tobler gif ready to go. Uh, The eyes are already out. So I haven't even sat down at my desk yet. The eyes are already out. I get the Tobler thing up. I get ready to get the, the article up on the website. And the kid posted it at like 6.48. Yeah, I mean, it was it was so... Like, I didn't even get the... Like, totally forgot to, like, shoot the fired up. It was just like, anytime this stuff comes out, like, quote-unquote, dinner time, it's just a disaster. I agree. Come on. So they need to look around or work around our schedule better. But uh, I think that's uh, I think that should be it on on basketball. If you would like to do a ad read for our wonderful sponsor, Urban Artifact, this would be the time to do it. Urban Artifact is the largest sour only brewery in the United States. They pack over seven hundred thousand pounds of real fruit into their lineup of fruit tarts every year. Swing by Urban Artifact's Northside Tap Room. Mention Bearcat Journal. Get two dollars off a flight of four tasters. Let's see, one ten. Okay, the chat has been like busy these days. Good. I like I like oh. interaction. Uh, I hope it gets gets real busy now that we get into my uh, my obsession of light. Uh, all right, well, then let's go. Dave, draft. Yes. One week wanna... away. One what week we... from right now, we will, uh, will we have already heard Sauce Gardner's name one week from right now? Uh, let's see. The first, yeah, very close. It'd be very, very close to right now, one way or the other, I would say. The what I'm starting to hear is. Yes, we will, because uh, yesterday, uh, 
Dane Brugler's of The Athletic, his podcast. And then today, uh, Josh Norris, who is with Underdog Dynasty and has pretty consistently have had one of the more accurate mock drafts. Uh, both of them have... Well, Dane said he's hearing uh, Ahmad Gardner and the Texans buzz. And Josh Norris had in his mock draft today had Gardner going to the Texans. So we are, you know, we're verging on being possibly being the highest drafted Bearcat ever. It's going to happen, right? I'm at the point where I'll be shocked if it doesn't. I mean, Oh, I wouldn't be shocked. I could very easily see him not going in the top five. Easily? Yeah. Yeah, because, okay, let's just lay it out. Say the Jags take Trayvon Walker, which, of course, they will because they're the fucking Jags. (laughs) Then the Lions take uh, Aiden Hutchinson. The Texans could take Sauce, but they could very easily take an offensive lineman. If that happens, the Jets are, I would say, very strongly, t- probably, you know, in the all likelihood taking Cave on Thibodeau. And then at five, the Giants uh, could take Sauce, could take, you know, another offensive lineman. So there's definitely a path in place where he does not go top five. There's no, there's, there's almost no path I see where he doesn't go top ten. Uh, yeah, um, I agree with that. But yeah, there's definitely, and I mean, I'm not saying it's a majority. I'm not saying that it's even a 50% chance, but there is, there's a reasonable um, sequence that he might not go top five. I would still be surprised. I think he's going to. We'll see. Uh, where do you think is most likely for him? Like if you were. You're mocking right now. You're mock drafting as we're podcasting. Where did Sauce go? Uh, most likely, I I would feel most comfortable putting him at uh, seven to the Giants. Why? I just think that that he's a fit there and what they want to do, but I think they want to make sure they get one of the three top offensive linemen. Um. First, at, with five, which they're okay. All intents and purposes, five and seven, right? All intents and purposes, they're pretty much guaranteed because you're going to have Aiden Hutchinson. You're very more than likely going to have Trayvon Walker Did go go before them. So at, at worst, you're getting your third offensive lineman at five. If somehow the two defensive ends and then the two tackles went. So you're, you're getting your guy at five and then you only have to wait one more pick. And if all those offensive linemen are gone, the Panthers probably aren't taking sauce. So, you know, seven seems to be like the sweet spot. I could definitely, I could see him going two to the Lions. I could see him going three. I don't, there's been a ton of talk about him and, and the jets, but the way that, 
Robert Sala has kind of designed defenses, especially with the 49ers in the past. They've been much more defensive line driven, makes the corners better than taking an elite corner at four. Yeah. I would be a little surprised if he was the guy at four. Um, But the Giants, the Falcons at eight, the Seahawks at nine. If he's still there for the Jets at 10, I mean, anywhere, those, all that, that whole boom, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, all those teams could take him. But I don't see him getting past the Giants. All right. Now let's do Dez. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck sorting uh, this let's, out. Let's see. Josh Norris had him at 19 to the Saints today. Andrew says he has, he has a mortgage payment on Dez first round. Well, I hope. I feel good about that, but I, I hope you don't live in like a super expensive house. <laughs> <laughs> Gamble um, responsibly. Right. I feel good about the first round for Dez, but like this this whole draft, not just the quarterbacks, like the whole thing can get set off and go in a totally different direction on one pick. Like I think Dez is QB1, and that's not me just being the UC guy, but that clearly is not the consensus. I mean, he is – he seems to be pretty safely in QB3 range to me. I don't agree with it, but I just – you know, let's be honest. That is what I'm seeing, and that just – I just don't know. Like – if the Panthers don't take a quarterback at six and they don't trade back, they actually pick a player and it's not a quarterback. I'm not sure where the first quarterback goes. Steelers are at 20, right? Yeah. Like the Falcons could take a quarterback. Are they really going to take one at eight? If, if, all the quarterbacks are available. Like, is that really going to happen? Are the Seahawks going to do it at nine? Washington at 11. Like, I just, it's very hard for me to go, yep, that, you know, those guys are going to take a quarterback that's going to then, you know, keep bumping up the class as a whole. It's going to so, set up the run. Right. If a quarterback doesn't go six, I think your next best shot is they kind of keep getting past and maybe the saints at 19 say, let's jump up to like 12, 13, 14 and get our guy, you know, something like that. Um, so it's just, it's just very hard for me to say, like, I can't say with any conviction, um, what I, where I think he'll go. Um, without, you know, obviously without knowing how, when the first one goes. Right. So where do you think he goes? I, I think the Saints really like him. Um, so maybe. I think the Falcons really like him too. The Falcons would have to trade up back into the first round. Um, See, this is where I disagree with you, Jason. 
I think the Bengals could use the quarterback run becoming later. Because I don't like what I see at 31, particularly for what the Bengals need. The Bengals don't need the quarterback run as much as the wide receiver run. But nobody's trading up to 31 to get a wide receiver. Uh, The way wide receivers are getting paid right now, would you rather have a wide receiver on a fifth-year deal or the guy you're going to draft – you know, at 38, that's not a quarterback. That's fair. Like, when, okay, here, fair. here's the thing. Like, say you're at 38 and you're going to draft George Pickens. Would you rather give up a fourth rounder to trade up to 31 to get an extra year of George Pickens under contract or just stay at 38 and pick George Pickens? No, that's fair. That's something I haven't considered with wide receivers starting to get paid almost quarterback money that the fifth year for them is just as valuable maybe as for quarterback. No, I think, I think we as fans in draft Twitter, maybe overrate the whole, like, got to get the fifth year thing. Um, I'm not, I don't, but teams have done it regularly. So that's the thing is we make it out more than it is. It's really the quarterback move up from the second round to the first round has only happened like twice in the last like 10 years. So we, we think about it, that it happens a lot, and it, re- it really doesn't. But it might start to more. Um, but, like, for I want the quarterbacks, like, personally, I want them to go early because I want Dez to go early. Early, right. I want, like, from a Bengals fan perspective, I want as many wide receivers to go as possible. So that to me is what helps the Bengals. The quarterback thing I don't think helps it as much because I like I find it hard to believe that if you know say two quarterbacks go and Pittsburgh takes the second one and it's Malik Willis, I don't know. Say say Caroline does take Kenny Pickett and nobody takes Malik Willis and the Steelers don't trade up and they take Willis at 20. I don't think Des, I think someone is trading further up than the Bengals to get Des. I don't think they're allowing him to go 11 more picks to see, to then trade with the Bengals to get him right before the end of the first round, if that makes sense. Right. I feel you. So where does he go? Final answer. Oh, final answer. Jesus. Um, for the for the sake of this podcast. For the sake of this podcast, just because I want to see if it happens, I'm going to say the Steelers. And see, I know, and 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 I would hate him to going to the Steelers as well. However, isn't that the best place for him to go? In terms of franchise stability, sure. like I just don't want to go to the Steelers to be successful because I don't want to have to cheer against them. Right. That's all. I, I mean, I, I just I don't want to have to be watching a game, even if it's not against the Bengals, and being like, "You need to throw an interception right here." Like I don't want to have to. I would just prefer not to have to say that. To no, my I know. I get that. I understand, I understand that, but I'm saying. From a Dez success standpoint, 
that's probably the best place for him to go. They win. He's going to get great coaching. They're going to put him in a position early in his career where the, the game doesn't like rest on his shoulders. Yeah. They've won with Ben the last three years. They can certainly they win all, with Dallas. They almost went to the playoffs with Duck Hodges. Right. Playing like a significant my, amount of games a couple of years my, ago. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing record. I will say, though, I say that about the Steelers. I I have a feeling that they are infatuated with Malik Willis. Which would be great. Great. No, be my, that would be – I would – I would maybe pop champagne if they just based on that alone. Like, so I, I have a feeling if he start not, I won't even say fall because I don't even think you can say fall. Like, we legit don't know where these quarterbacks are going to go. So how could you say if a guy is falling or not? But like, if he's still around there in the early teens, it would not surprise me if they moved up in a trade to get him. All right. Who will be the third Bearcat drafted? That's the format I'm going with here. We're going to ask you in order all the way to nine. This is this one's getting close. I will still say Alec Pierce. Uh-huh. But I, Brian Cook is putting some heat on some dudes. And I don't know how, because the guy hasn't done anything. They're watching his tape. Since the cotton bowl. They're watching his tape. Like he's up to I think 71 on the PFF board. He was I mean, I have all of this stuff written down, so I should just look at it. Um, but, like, where do I have it? But he was, I know he was up to 70 or 71 on the PFF board. He was high in the new consensus, um, consensus board that the athletic does. How about that? Whose job is it to take 60 something boards? And make a consensus board. That sounds terrible. I mean, it's a much smaller project than like Bracket Matrix. Yeah, but still, that sounds awful. Fair. But yeah, I, I mean, he's 77. I mean, he was 77 in one board. I mean, he's ahead of, he's now ahead of Pierce in basically all the boards that I've looked at. Whether it was, which Matt, is crazy. Whether it was Matt Miller at ESPN. The PFF board, um, using the consensus board. <clears throat> I just, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a little worried that he might fall because of not being able to test. But all of this stuff seems to be leading in the opposite direction. Yeah, I mean, we were, we've talked like. He hasn't done anything since the Cotton Bowl, like you just said. Like, that's a tough place to have upward trajectory. And I think this is a really good safety class, too. So but what, maybe... what's, what's also happening, I'm sure, is he's inter- he's interviewing. And if you interview Brian Cook, that's the, weird, that's the weird thing, too. Like, I haven't seen his name on one visit. And I know that that's not accurate. And it's not that, but like, I follow enough people and I look at enough things that I've seen, obviously, Des, Sauce, Jerome Ford, Majay's been on several. Like, I just haven't, he's been kind of, the whole thing has been quiet. 
so I'm not. Sh- I'm just not sure how to read it. I mean, I ran a, I ran a just for the hell of it right before the show. Like ran a a mock on PFF, and Pierce During goes. Pierce goes seventy nine. Cook goes ninety five. I actually took him for the Bengals at ninety five. <laughs> I'd take that ten times out of ten. But like he's round. yeah he's seventy one on the PFF big board. <clears throat> so at ninety five, that would be an A you know, plus. Quote, quote quite the value in in you know yeah you know my my went one hundred. Beavers went 107, which is the second pick of the fourth round. Um, Kobe went 137. Who goes? Is there a place you think fits Pierce uh, perfectly outside of Green Bay? Nope, that's it. Just Green Bay. Just Green Bay? <laughs> no, I'm, but I mean, like, I'm kidding when I say that, but, but like. But that is like that is the spot that just like it makes is, too much sense. That is a warm glass of milk and two nice cho- or a cold glass of milk and two nice chocolate chip cookies. Like they like the, he is the receiver that they like. Like they want that he's Jordy freaking Nelson basically. Yeah, in a lot of ways, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean they have a pick at fifty three. In the second round, I could totally see them taking him at 59. That I could see them taking him. I've seen him as high as the end of the first to Green Bay. <clears throat> I mean, their fan base loves the dude. Like, you you, 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 you look at any tweet about Alec Pierce, and 95% of the mentions are Packers fans just obsessed. Well, you couldn't find a more perfect quarterback for him than Aaron Rodgers either, right? Like Right. Yeah. Immaculate deep ball, like go up and get it. Like that's Alan Pierce. Extend plays. Absolutely. Um, all right, so does that mean you have Cook fourth? Fourth Bearcat drafted by Dave. Uh Smith. yeah, it's it's gonna be I think it's gonna be Pierce or Cook. Um Well, you had Cook third, so then yeah. Pierce would be third. Yeah, Pierce third, so Cook would be fourth. Yes. Okay. Yes. And you you want him to the Bengals at nine? I would love to have him to the Bengals. I mean, but that would mean there's only four top 100 Bearcats. Uh, no, uh, yeah. I mean, there's 105 picks in the first three rounds. So, you know, it's. It's sounding like Majay's gaining some traction, so um, I could see him in the sneaking into the top one hundred. Um, I would probably have him more in the beginning of the fourth round. So he would be number five. Yeah, I think he's kind of. Yeah, Beavers is way down on some of these boards, and kind of surprises me. Where Majay has like a. A pretty large, um, pretty large span in between the two. So I would feel comfortable saying going Majay then Beavers. Anywhere you think uh, either of those guys are a good fit in that uh, range? Uh, 
Maje's a good fit in Baltimore. I think he's a good fit in Kansas City. I think Beavers is a good fit anywhere that plays the 3-4 predominantly. So New England, Houston. Um, I'm not super versed on every team's defensive setup, but Maijay is just a tough one to gauge because it's just what it like what does the team want want him to be? And what do they think they can get him to weight-wise? I guess is the question. I mean, you know. anything over 260 seems like a hell of a challenge, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, but, like, are you – do you – is he losing a little bit of weight and turning into kind of a linebacker? Is he – do you really feel comfortable with him as a linebacker? Well, 3-4 outside linebacker that basically rushes all the time. Yeah. Or are you kind of keeping him right where he's at and you're kind of a pass rush specialist almost? Like, I don't know. It's just... He's all over the place in this pre-draft process, and I think that's why he's been on a lot of visits. Um, Chelsea, I hate to break it to you. I don't think the NFL likes Kobe as much as we all do. You think could, he'll be seventh? I could be wrong, but um, I think he's a I think he's a fourth round dude, and I think. The other guys are all third round, fringe fourth round. So you have Kobe seven. I mean, yeah, because I mean, he he was pick one thirty seven in this thing I ran, but again, like two of the boards I I have noted have him eighty nine and eighty seven, which is easy third round. I just here's also something to remember. Prior to this year. Anyone above the fourth round was an anomaly right? for the most part for the Bearcats. Like, I know we're caught up in the wave of what this all means this year, but let's not fall into the rut of, like, he went in the fourth round, so it's a failure. Oh, for sure. I mean, you're... But we're headed there, Dave. We're headed there. No, I mean, not not to me at all. I mean... It, no, but it, I mean to, to, to the general fan. It's a fit thing, too, like... Kobe is not – he's not a speed guy. So certain teams are just going to be like, we're just not – like, we're just not going to draft corners higher than the third the third round or higher that can't run with these receivers now. For all the other things that he does great, teams are going to go like, he's a third or fourth round guy for us because he's just not fast enough. That's what I'm getting at, though, Chelsea. Being drafted in the third or fourth round is not disappointing. I know he ran better at his pro day, but like I don't think that is his play speed is is that level. And you had the he, same issue. You had the same concern with Forrest last year, right? I think he makes up for it with his intelligence, and he does have good short area quickness, and he breaks on the ball well, and and all of those things. But 
I think you're a – he's never going to be your number one guy. He's a field guy. He's not a boundary guy. We learned and he's pro- he probably fits better in a zone scheme than a, than a press man scheme. So, you know, where, where are those type of corners going to go? And I think, you know, when you're not an elite tester, he's, he's got great tape. He's had great tape, and he has all the intangibles. I just, I think, I think if he gets into the third round, I'd be like, hell yeah, that's awesome. I just, I see him more in the late third, fourth round. So he would be seventh, or would according you have four to, ahead of him? Yeah, according no, according to this thing that I that I ran. Uh, well, I don't, I don't want your stupid draft simulator. Is like the 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 four yes. The, I, no, I want Dave's opinion as the basis for the our draft. Our draft preview is not being generated by no, some just randomizer using, on PFF. Come I'm on, using it as an example. Um, but yeah, Ford, I, I, dude, I have no idea. Like, he has the bit, the widest variance I think of anybody that I've seen. Like, on one board he's one fifty, on another board he's two thirteen. Yeah, like you usually don't see. Two different well, it's people. running, but that's because it's running, right? Like, <coughs> partly, partly, but like you still don't usually see two different people view a player like that that wide of a gap. I, I'm, you know, if I would say fifth round, you know, somebody might like him in the fourth. This isn't. This doesn't feel like a great running back group. Um. The depth of this draft is in like the second, third, fourth round. So um, it's just so hard. Like, how do teams want to use running backs? What do they want to get out of their second and third running back? Can what kind of special teams can he play? Because I mean, you're he's going to have to be on pretty much all the special teams, almost. Besides, yeah, goal. he he's okay with that. Right, but I but I don't know how teams see him. Like I don't know. I have no idea how the teams see him fitting. You see, had a hard time keeping him off teams. Like when he became a starter, like he still wanted to be out there running on special teams. So I don't think that part is going to be a problem. No, I'm not saying his willingness or. I just don't know how teams like with running backs. With running backs, it's like, okay, who's your second and third running back? Where are they in their contract situation? Like, do are they already filling a role for you on special teams? It's just very, I don't know. I, it's hard to to pigeonhole a running back. Yeah, that's what I mean by that. Like, it, yeah. it just who knows because it's so valued. Like, it's valued so differently by so many different people. Right. Uh, so that brings us to your man, your guy, Curtis Brooks. Dude's getting drafted. I agree. Fifth round, sixth round, <sighs> seven. It would be amazing if he like went anywhere other than the seventh round, given that like nobody has talked about him until like this last week. <laughs> when they started actually, when they finally got to him, like on tape. Besides me, and I then mean, he, well, yeah. He went- he went from not on PFF's top 300 to he is now 160. Right. Like, he he went four picks after Jerome Ford in this draft I just did. Like, 
he has gone from like not a not non combine invite, not a draftable player to I wouldn't but, I wouldn't be surprised if he went in the fifth round. It's what I'm saying. That they finally got to him on the list of guys that they had to watch tape on, and then they start watching tape and they saw what we saw, which was when the Cincinnati defense was at their best. It was because Curtis Brooks was whipping dudes at the point of attack. Mm-hmm. And I think what helps him out is the position he plays, which is penetrating three technique. This draft sucks. Stinks. It's terrible. <laughs> so I was like, I like, so I was doing prep for Mo yesterday and was like, you know, just vaguely, I'm not a draft expert by any means. But, like, looking at what I think, you know, corner, three-tech. Right. You know, the things that I think are going to be higher up on their priority list. And I was like, there's not any. That's my dilemma when, you know, when, if we talk about the Bengals. Like, when I'm looking at the Bengals and building a mock draft, my dilemma is there are basically four guys that I think are, are first, second round three technique pass rushing defensive tackles in this draft that are in the Bengals range. My dilemma is, do you take one at 31? Because there's like, and run the writ and, and then get your corner or whatever, because you know that there's only four of these guys. Or if you take a corner at 31, knowing it's going to be Curtis Brooks in the sixth round, what level (laughs) of paranoia and nervousness do you have? waiting out 30-something more picks. And that's assuming that none of these guys go before the Bengals pick, which I've started to see. Like, there's just not – there's just aren't any of them. Right. So do, do you guys get overdrafted because teams are scared that we got – like, for the Bengals, there's 500 to 700 snaps for this player. So – He's basically a starter. They play a shit ton of five-two, five-man front, and you know a lot of you know they play a lot of everything. I mean, they're one of the more more legitimately like multiple defenses in the NFL, especially on defensive line and in coverages. But like, there's a there's five hundred to seven hundred snaps for a Logan Hall, for a Perrion Winfrey. You know those guys that are being talked about in the first, second round. And then after those dudes, like, it legitimately is, like, wait until the fifth or sixth round and take Curtis Brooks. Is the kid from UConn a three-tech? He can be. He's more of a nose, but, like, for what the Bengals do, he could play He could play the three-tech because he's athletic. Like, he's on the bigger side, like, 6'3". Travis Jones is who it is. Um, he's, like, 6'3", 325. Um, 6'4", 325. So, but he he's he fits that five man front role, and he could do it, because um, he has some athletic ability to to play. You know, be more of a penetrator, even if you had to put him next to DJ Reader. But it's really it's him. I'm not counting Devonte Wyatt, even though there is a small part of me that thinks he could fall because he's 24 years old, and like the Georgia defense as a whole is very hard to watch tape of from an NFL perspective because they just don't rush their defensive tackles at all. Yeah. So you have Devontae Wyatt, who I think will be gone, Travis Jones from UConn, Logan Hall from Houston, 
the Marvin Leal from Texas A&M and Perrion Winfrey from Oklahoma. Like that's it. Yeah. So if you don't get one of those guys in the first two rounds, you may as well wait and try to get Brooks in the fifth or sixth and fill your, fill in your other areas um, in between. There have been multiple Curtis Brooks, Geno Atkins comparisons of late. Do you see it? Yes and no. Um, it's an easy comp because of the testing numbers and just the general size. Gino was a lot better against the run than Brooks has been. Brooks does get washed out on the run on occasion. I mean, his forte is pass pass rush. Um, yes, I see. I mean, I see why people are making the comp, but you know, obviously, you know, we obviously didn't think Gino didn't see Gino having the career he was going to have being a fourth round pick, um, right. But I mean, do I see Curtis? Could I see Curtis Brooks filling a substantial role for a team as that backup three technique that comes in on obvious passing downs to get after the passer? Hell yeah! I mean, would I want that on the Bengals? Hell yeah! I mean, Jeffrey, your your friend that keeps telling you we don't need one because we have Tupo and Hill. Well, Tupo and Hill don't play the same position. One, Tupo is a backup nose tackle. Hill is now taking over the uh, Larry Ogunjobi role, so there are now all of Hill's snaps from last year available to someone like Curtis Brooks or one of those guys I just mentioned if they were to take them in the first or second round. There's not going to be one in the second round. It's hard to imagine. I mean, if you know, there's five. There's five rush. You know, three techniques in the whole draft that are worth first or second round, and you think one of those is going to make it to the very freaking end of the second round? It's hard. It's to, not it's, hard it's hard to imagine. It's not going to happen. It's it's kind of the same boat with corner in terms because, like, of getting that's, an outside that's, corner. That's my thing with corner is okay. So you take the defensive lineman in one, you take a corner in two, you can take another corner in. Round three, if you want, in round four, if you want, like you can you can double up at corner much easier when you have your three technique than vice versa. Then praying to God, yeah, great, we got a first round corner, but now we don't have anybody to play defensive tackle because, right? As much as we like to bag on him, I will bet you a hundred dollars right now if he's not hurt. Eli Apple is starting game one over the corner that they draft at 31. I mean, I don't necessarily agree or love it, but that's just, I mean, <laughs> he played 15 games. Like he, the, the, the likelihood of the corner coming in and starting is lower than the likelihood of the defensive lineman coming in and giving you 500 snaps. Right. Jeffrey, we all have idiot friends. There's nothing you can do about it, bro. Yeah, we're usually those idiot friends. No, I mean, we have, we're <laughs> informed. He has an idiot friend that's not informed. Right. <laughs> you should tell him to listen to these podcasts. Then he would be informed, and you wouldn't have to deal with having an idiot friend. That's all. Yeah, I'm, I'm full, full steam ahead, nine Bearcats getting drafted. I was the first one to start saying it. 
you were right there with me. You thought Curtis Brooks was widely undervalued as well. I did. But. I just was going off of the history of guys that don't get invited to the combine just don't get drafted. Right. But there were people I were talking to that were saying, like, he's got a lot more buzz than people realize around Yeah, I mean, I think he's talked to, like, every team in the AFC North. Yeah. Um, Which makes sense. Sure. It's a four-down, four-man defensive front league. Or division, at least. I just think every team now needs that. With how much passing is going on, whether you run a four-man front or a three-man front, I don't think I don't think it matters. Like you need a backup defensive lineman that can get after the passer. Here's the thing, Jeffrey. If if you have a friend that doesn't like podcasts, stop being their friend. <laughs> That's where the information is now, right? Dave, what did you just say? When you're doing prep work, what do you do? I listen to podcasts. Why? Because that's where the information is. So, Jeffrey, you, you have to give an ultimatum to your friend. You can start listening to podcasts, or I cannot be your friend anymore. Sometimes tough love is important, Jeffrey. <laughs> can we call in Aaron to rate these players' ankles? We should. I don't. What does that mean? I don't get that. Aaron, at one point, like was talking about... He was talking about Jaheim Thomas. Uh, giving his observations from the spring game. Did and he say he had he, nice, nice ankles? No, he said he like he evaluates how a player's body is developing from the knees down. Oh, okay. What he meant to say was like like their calves, like how their calves are filling out <laughs> in conjunction. Like if you've got a big solid like leg, you've got a good calf, right? That's what he's saying. Right, but I like was you, like, you know, you, you can't fill out and have skinny legs, right? Right. But he said, like, he looks at, you know, he looks at guys from the knees down. And I was like, so you're an ankle guy? And it turned Basically. into kind of, it kind of turned into a thing that Aaron's now an ankle guy. Basically. So Fick will be at the draft with Sauce. <laughs> yes. Which Brady will be at the draft with Sauce, and Fick will just be there with them. Right. My my understanding is they got the PJ, so. Oh yeah. They'll but be like, they'll be out and back. I mean, Sauce's agent didn't hook that up. I don't know if he did or not. I just I I heard they got the yeah. they, they'll be out on the PJ. Um, go Jeffrey, the, go to the Weezer concert after the first round. Jeffrey. Sometimes you got to be tough on your friends, buddy. Right. Sometimes like sometimes your friends need this. <laughs> sometimes you got to tell your friends, "Look, this is what's best for you. This is what's best for our conversation as friends if you start listening to podcasts so you can be more informed so I don't have to call you a dumbass all night." It's important. Bengals should trade back out of 31. Yeah, sure. Well, who's available and what are they getting? (laughs) Here was my take. Don't the Seahawks have two picks, like back-to-back? 40 Uh, and 41, something like that? I got something like that. Would you go go straight up 31 for 40 and 41? Well, yeah, but they would never do that. Why not? If they want their quarterback with their fifth year. I mean, because the value on moving up that place is like, 
a third, maybe a fourth, maybe a third rounder. Teams have overpaid before. Oh, for sure. And there's always a premium for quarterbacks. But Right, that's what I'm saying. Do you love – yeah, that's the other problem. <laughs> do you love these quarterbacks enough to pay a premium? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pay a premium to come up for Joe Burrow. <laughs> like, am, am I paying a premium to come up for Matt Corral? Probably not. You know, I mean, even for debts. Like, let's be honest. Like, there's going to be teams that – don't can't get over his inconsistency. So this like, is something I this is something right here that I've always wanted to talk about, Dave. This is why you have a subscription. So you can go to work the next day and be the smartest guy at work. That's why you dedicate the time. You listen to the podcast, you listen to the nightcaps, you're on Bearcat Journal, and then you get to go to work the next day and be and, smarter than your friends. And your say things as if they were your own thoughts. Right, I'm okay with that. That's that's the price of admission, right? Yeah, you don't have to be like, oh, I was listening to a podcast last night and they got no. this, and I agree with so, it. Say that shit with your chest. Maybe not on social media because that like that stuff's out there forever. But if you're at the water cooler, quote unquote, at work, and somebody says some dumb shit, you just tell them what I told you with your chest. That's right. That's why you're here. To be smarter than your friends. <laughs> the dudes in your wedding. Should, you might have to get somebody else for your wedding. Since we're, since we're close to the two-hour mark, and I think we've kind of... Yeah, we're about done. We're screwing should, around. Should, I, should we talk about how the Bengals aren't going to draft Tyler Linderbaum, even if he's there? Really? Yeah, really. Like I. Why not? The way, it they, solves your guard problem, right? Well, maybe. Why not? Oh, I'm not disagreeing. I just don't. The way they've talked and the way they've spent doesn't seem like they're inclined to do that. Here's my thing, though, Dave, on that specific topic. If Tyler Linderbaum's there at 31. There's a reason. I don't want to take him. Something's off. I'm not say, I wouldn't say something is off, but you have... I'll a say bit. it. Something's well, off. No. You have a very well. You have a very specific player. No, he's not. The position. talk is he's like an all-pro center. I mean, I think he could be. Isn't that what you do with your first-round pick? You try to draft all pros. Yeah, for sure. Why would why would a guy rated fifteen? That seems like has a flawless like sheet. Be there at thirty-one. But uh, being a center, I could think of one reason is he's undersized, and it's more of a length thing. It's not a height weight thing. It's a short arm. You're not thing. dealing with length at center. You're snapping yeah, the ball. Sure you are. A defensive tackle with thirty-five inch arms. You can't. How even... many defensive tackles have thirty-five inch arms? Uh, but well, let's see. Perrion Winfrey does. Um, he's in, he's going to go in the second round, likely like 34, 35 inch, like 34 is not outrageous. He has under 32 inch arms. So he's a T-Rex. That's fine. <laughs> T-Rexes did. Okay. He's specific to his own blocking scheme. So that automatically, no matter what a team thinks about him, takes him off their board. T-Rexes fuck shit up, Dave. Yeah. Cause they're 
way bigger than everything else. He's not. <laughs> um, and I think the thing that might hurt him actually is that this is a good interior line center draft. So someone's going to go Tyler Linderbaum and this player or this player and Cam Jurgens or Luke Fortner in the Cole Strange in the second, third, fourth round. Like centers just, I mean, look at the best centers in the NFL. We had one of them that was a Bearcat, sixth round. Like they just, you know, even the best centers in the league are not first should we round tell that, Should we tell that story? What's that? The story yeah. about the, the the center. Nah. Just... Oh, come on. It's funny. I think it's funny. I think he would think it's funny. It's just, it's funny. It's funny. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, so we were supposed to last week, we were supposed to have uh, Zach Laris on, right? And Zach was on vacation with his wife uh, at a family member's, a, a member of her family's house and didn't tell his wife that he was agreed to come on the podcast. So when he told his wife that he was coming on the podcast, she was like, "That that's very rude to do that at the house of, you know, one of my family members. Zach didn't necessarily agree, but he was like, eh, I don't feel like being in the doghouse, so I'm going to have to reschedule. I'm like, that's all right. This is at like five o'clock the night of the podcast when Dave had surgery. So it was me and Aaron. Uh, this is why, the, the, ultimately, this is why there was no podcast that night. And then we did the Friday afternoon happy hour podcast. So we're we're driving to Galactic Fried Chicken, actually, to get dinner that night. And I was like, well, shit. We're going to try and throw a couple Hail Marys here to see if we can, you know, get somebody to fill in on very short notice. So I called Jason Kelsey. And I was going to blame it on, hey, your quarterback screwed me over. You know, because Jason was the center, Zach was the quarterback. Your quarterback screwed me over. Can we maybe get you on the podcast tonight? He actually answered, which was shocking. And he's like, Chad, what's up, man? What do you need? And I'm like, hey, any chance you can do the podcast tonight? And he was like, oh, I've got my anniversary dinner with my wife. We're on our way there. Like, give me a call next week. And maybe we'll we'll get something going. So I texted him on Tuesday and I was like, hey, man. Remember that uh, podcast? And he texted me, ah, crap. Ha, 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 ha. Which somehow texted in his voice. <laughs> Which was essentially, look, man, I know I told you I would be on your podcast, but I really don't want to do that shit. In a mummer's costume. In a mummer's costume. Like, I... I said yes, and if you're going to hold me to it, I'll do it. But, like, can we do it some other time? And, I and, by, like, yeah. and by some other time, I mean never. No, I think once he's retired, I think we'll probably won't have any problem getting him on. Like, once he's not, you know, this is, like, the only downtime he gets yeah. before getting into OTAs and, like, being, a you know, a pro football player again. I think once he, like, lets go of that. We'll, we'll get him certainly uh, after his career. Uh, he answered the phone, right? Yeah. Like, we're going to get him. But you could tell at that point on the all crap, he was like, I, I don't want to do a podcast. Like, 
Jets, man. Yeah. <laughs> Do I have to? So I just texted him back, like, don't worry about it, bro. It's not a big deal. So we almost had Jason Kelsey, but that, that didn't work out. Calero says he's going to come on next next week. Like during the draft? Well, that's what I'm trying to figure out is like, should, should we, we just should have we, him on? Should we tell everybody what our plans are for next week? Yeah, uh, we can we can get into it. Like I'm still, it's still in the early developmental stages, but I plan on being live throughout the first round. Now, maybe like, maybe we're live until... Des gets drafted, or if Des gets drafted, because Sauce is going early. Like, do you think if Des gets drafted, do we need to continue just in case? No. Or do you think we'll be okay? Like, once if Des gets picked, then we can like wrap I mean, up and call well, it. The night. first round is going to end around midnight. Yeah. So, so we're looking at like eight to midnight, right? Yeah. I mean, if Des. You know, if Dez gets drafted, then I think you kind of end it at that point. If he doesn't, you might get forced to go right <laughs> until the end of the first round to see if right. he does get drafted. Right. <laughs> I think we're just going to, like, we're just going to open it up. We're going to have, like, we're gonna take questions, like, engage with the chat, have some fun, have some drinks, watch the draft. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be um, running, like, two – Two chats. I'm going to be bouncing back and forth. What do you mean, running chats? Well, I'm going to obviously come into this one. Uh huh. But then I also have one with all my friends where we ah, just okay. talk about what's, you know. Okay. Yeah. And I, I can't have them both going at the same time or no one would be able to understand what the hell is going on because you'd hear, <laughs> you'd hear right. two different things. So, plus. Yeah. Like, well, you're going to hop on with us, but I don't think we'll be using you for like, extended extended periods of time it's no like, i'll ju- i'll jump on if like obviously if, when sauce, when gets, sauce drafted, gets drafted yeah if des gets drafted and then like when someone does something stupid or you know whenever there's something it. like funny right yeah so yeah i think as long as aaron's okay um we're gonna do that i'll see i like i think it would be fun to have Caleros on and just like watch the draft and talk about his career and football and like you know all that stuff as it's happening. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how things work up there exactly, but like, I mean, I think he's like, is he a CFL Hall of Famer? I think he's headed in that direction, right? I mean, he's, he's been he's, an MVP. He's won multiple Grey Cups. Yeah. Like, as he's the, a legend. As, as the starting quarterback. Like, right. All right. We'll ask him. If we get him on next week, we'll ask him. Do they do they get the draft in Canada? I'm sure it's on TSN. I mean, that's okay. basically ESPN there. I'm, I mean, I can't imagine that they it wouldn't be on something. <clears throat> that would be weird if we were watching the draft and he wasn't. <laughs> like that would be awkward. Are they on a delay? Are we going to be watching a different like the draft at different times than him? That would also yeah, be I don't awkward. Know. Oh well. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks to Braden Moore. That was outstanding uh, early in this podcast, a long time ago, like two hours ago. A uh, lot to discuss this week, so that's why we ended up being as long uh, as we were. We got Dave over the two-hour mark. I think this is this is the second time, right? Only the second time? 
No, I think there's maybe been like one or two others, but okay. yeah, few and few and far between, obviously. I mean, look, this week there was no way we weren't going two hours. No, there's a lot to talk about. Braden Moore, Corey Kiner, Rob Fennessy, the draft, like all the other, you know, we were going two hours tonight. There was no avoiding it. So yeah, if you got nine nine Bearcats getting drafted, you got to talk about them. Talk about each one of them. Is what it is. All right. Uh, no nightcap tonight. Aaron's sick. And I got to pack and get ready for Indy this weekend. Uh, a lot going on. So uh, we'll hopefully get back to the nightcap tomorrow night once I get done with EYBL. Uh, get back to the hotel. And if Aaron's uh, not a zombie. So we will see you next time. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Thanks to Braden Moore. This is the BCJ Podcast. Brought to you by our good friends at the Holy Grail and Urban Artifact. We'll see you next time. Doop!